It's time for the Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a nationwide leader in background checks and employment screening solutions. People G2 gives their clients access to the best human capital management and due diligence tools available. They are dedicated to helping their clients with all of their people-related decisions. To learn more, go to www.peopleg2.com. Talent Talk centers on the topics of talent recruitment and management, leadership development, company culture, and employee engagement. These are all timely topics for CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and business leaders. We hope that as you tune in to listen each week, whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way. And now... Here's the host of the Talent Talk Radio Show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Hey, good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in here to Talent Talk. It's Tuesday, so we've got two great guests lined up for you. Hopefully, you're tuning in live and can uh, join us in the conversation. Uh, you know, I've had the opportunity to meet a lot of these really cool and inspiring leaders, uh, really just sort of all different types of events and uh, happenstance or being the right place at the right time. And so when I get the opportunity to, to talk to them or to try to find out more about them, uh, instead of me being the only one that gets to hear all the cool things they're doing, I thought, well, let's have a show and we can talk about it here together. So Talent Talk is live every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And it can also be accessed, though, if you're not coming in live, uh, as most people actually interact with us. It's on our podcast, on iTunes. You can also hear us on iHeartRadio. So if you have an Apple device, you can grab that uh, that podcast there. And if you don't, everyone can access. If you have internet, somehow, some way, you can get to iHeart and listen to us there. So over the last several years, we've just been growing a great audience. It's really exciting. Over 10,000 people a day are coming in and downloading a podcast. It's you know, millions of views and listens. And uh, just it overwhelms me all the time with the incredible amount of interaction we get from this show. And I really appreciate everyone's participation. Speaking of participation, one of the things we love to also do is hear from everyone, and we do that uh, via Twitter. So hopefully you're on Twitter like other millions of people that are, and you can tweet us a question, you can give us a comment, you can suggest a guest that we should interview, whatever it may be. We'd love to have you go there, uh, type in your comment, uh, send it to at peopleg2, and also use that hashtag talent talk. If you ask us a question here today, my producer Mike will try to feed it into me as we're going along, and uh, I can even ask the question live. So uh, we look forward to any of those questions, or if you're listening to us after the fact, I'd love to get your comments uh, and thoughts. Um, my uh, my first guest uh, here today will be Angela Lambsback, a senior uh, team lead in staffing at ZipRecruiter, a company you may have heard of. And then my second guest will be uh, Riva uh, Lasonsky, the CEO and uh, president and founder of uh, Grow Biz Media. Now, I said her name correctly once. We will see if I can keep that trend up or not. I've practiced for 10 minutes ahead of time, and I'll probably lose it. But anyways, um, let's go ahead and get to our first guest. Angela, welcome to the show. Hi, Chris. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm really glad that you could be here. Um, and so why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself uh, and, of course, what you're currently doing over there at ZipRecruiter. Sure, of course. I'm, you know, a salesperson, so of course I love talking about myself, so not a problem. Um, so anyway, I've been with ZipRecruiter for about a little over four years at this point. I was actually employee number 31, and we're now at over 700 employees. So ZipRecruiter, as many people know, has been growing 
exponentially, and I've been able to be lucky enough to be a part of it from the start. And the funny thing is, is that the way I ended up at ZipRecruiter is they were actually my client. So, um, but what I'm doing currently at ZipRecruiter is I actually um, manage and work with a lot of our staffing clients. So what we do is we work with um, all of the top 100 staffing clients and focus on helping them uh, create the best strategies for to bring in the best candidates for them. So I actually started the team about two years ago, and we have grown from me about two years ago to now we have about eight people at this point. So we're very so excited. It's growing fast, and we're seeing great results. <laughs> So it sounds like you're doing some work with, with uh, specifically with staffing clients. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that and maybe what kind of sets you guys apart then from other recruiting services. When we have a lot of people in recruiting, using recruiting, talking about recruiting. So, you know, if they're going to come over to ZipRecruiter, wh- why are they going to do that? Sure, of course. Um, so it's a great question. And I will tell you that my clients ask that question all the time. And I think one of the major things that sets us apart from a lot of our competitors is that we have a machine learning algorithm, meaning that if a candidate signs up for our email alerts and they start clicking on, or they sign up for an email alert and they put in the title of the job as account manager, say for instance, and then they start clicking on jobs that are sales account manager or key account manager, um, they will end up actually, this machine learning algorithm will pick that up and start sending them more jobs that match what they're searching on so that helps not only the candidate curate their searches and get better jobs, but it also helps our staffing clients end up getting, or any of our clients, get better candidates that match what they're looking for as well. So that's definitely one thing that sets us apart. Um, and then we do have our paper performance, which is something that a lot of clients offer, but with having that machine learning algorithm helps us um, really get a targeted uh, audience to their, to their results. So let's talk a little bit then about the, the talent that's kind of backing uh, this great company. What, what, what does a company do to, inside of your own, you know, experience to not only find and recruit uh, the top talent, um, but what else are you guys doing maybe once you get them to engage them and keep them as employees? Because clearly you have to be doing this the right way and being successful at it if you're going to start helping your clients do it as well, right? Sure, of course. Um, so one thing I think that, you know, definitely – you know, that has helped keep me at ZipRecruiter is that they're definitely focused on your career goals in the meaning that there, um, there's so much growth and opportunity within a company like ZipRecruiter because we're growing so fast. And it's one thing that a lot of the leadership team and myself in working with um, all the different employees is making sure we have an understanding of where people want to be, what they're looking for, what their goals are, and try to help them get there within the company. I mean, even for instance, like when I started a couple of years ago, there were people who they have been in sales and now they're in marketing or they're in product management and there's just a lot of opportunity uh, opportunity there and that the company actually supports that. Um, another thing I think too is that ZipRecruiter offers amazing benefits. I mean, I just had a baby a couple months ago and they have a great uh, baby bonding uh, leave. So even for, they also offer it for uh, new parents for both uh, moms and dads, which is great. Um, and then we have a matching 401k plan and all those great benefits and then one of my favorite things is the flexible scheduling as well, too. So those are definitely things that we that help keep employees there and make us happy. <laughs> well, congratulations on the new baby. Uh, I know that's, uh, that seems like a really big deal, and, and it should be a big deal for a lot of parents out there to have that kind of flexibility, to have that time. 
Um, I know I've recently had had a few employees that I we we didn't know why you know they had just had a new baby that just didn't you know obviously doesn't shouldn't come up in a <laughs> in an interview, but they certainly were right. attracted to our company because we're virtual and we have this flexible work schedule. And then of course you know found out later on once they were hired that they you know had just had a, a baby or another baby and. Uh, it seems it seems to be something that a lot of people are really looking for, and still a lot of companies are very far behind with how they handle definitely. that. Um, so, are you yeah, are you definitely. still seeing that kind of a gap where people are still really behind, and, and it's a real value for companies that are able to to, to take that on? Yeah, definitely. I mean, even like I said too, it's. Um, I mean, I've been experiencing it because I have a lot of friends my age that are having babies at this point, and you know they're looking at new jobs, and the number one thing they're looking at is what type of maternity plans or options they have, or even once they have children, what flexibility they have after that, you know, and taking kids to doctor's appointments, or if a kid is sick, or your nanny can't come to work, or whatever it might be, right? So it's definitely a key thing that helps um, bring employees on and then also keep them as well, too. So maybe you could talk a little bit about what your culture is like and maybe what it does to take to kind of make sure your culture is staying viable and alive. Um, you, you talk a little bit about some of the flexibility there with, with being a parent, and that, that probably comes from uh, some good places. But w- what else can you tell us about how the culture is working there internally with ZipRecruiter? Sure, of course. Um, and definitely one thing, anytime I talk about my job and with any of my friends or anybody outside, everybody always says when I explain my company and what we do, and my company culture, they're always like, oh, my God, it sounds amazing. And it definitely is an amazing place to work. Um, but I think it's just the, the, um, one, of the, one of the things I like is that it's a real sense of team environment that if you have a question, you can go to anybody and everybody, and people are always willing to help. Um, and something that really helps um, encourage that is that we actually use this thing called Bonusly. I don't know if you ever heard of it, but... What you can do is every employee gets 100 points per month, and then you can actually give them out to your teammates or whoever you have, or maybe if somebody in marketing helps you out with something, you give them bonusly points and so on and so forth. But it really helps create that sense of community and teamwork, and you know people are, are willing to work with each other and help each other out. So definitely in the sense that there's the team environment, but then at the same time, there's the that entrepreneurial spirit that they encourage in the sense that you own what you're working on and that you don't have that micromanagement culture of, um, you know, of, like, people monitoring what you're doing all the time and, like, you have that flexibility, so it really gives you the strength and power to be successful and not uh, feel uh, that you can't take risks in what you're doing. So it sounds like you've got a good recognition program there then, and and one of my kind of personal beliefs that a great recognition program comes from or at least is driven by um, the employees themselves, right? That it's not just the CEO standing up in front of everyone once in a great while and making some grand speech and giving someone a, a button or a pen or whatever, that that it really needs to be a living, breathing thing that employees are, are managing and doing. So sounds like, and maybe you could talk about it a little bit deeper with this, that you guys are assigning, is this dollars or points? Or what happens once you, have, let's say you give 50 points to Tom and 50 points to Sarah that month. How, how does that work after that? Oh, so great question and uh, definitely a key point to elaborate on. So basically the way that it works is that if I gave you 50 points and then you start earning however many points you get, say you have like 200 points, you can actually trade those in for gift cards to your favorite stores, whether it be like one I like to do is Sephora, 
um, or you can even do Nordstrom, Amazon. And then on top of that, you even have the option to use those points, convert them into dollars, and give to your favorite charities as well. There's a lot of different cool options that you can use, and it's just an extra perk. Whereas, um, you know, for like my anniversary, I got a lot of points from our CEO, and I got to use those points and putting it towards buying a TV or something like that. That just helps with the, with uh, the little things. So definitely, definitely a big perk that we have. Yeah, I love the idea. It sounds like a, a cool program. Um, and definitely, like you said, you're bringing that community. You're getting people an opportunity to thank one another for the work that they're doing. And and, and, and if, if people are being honest about it and they're working that way, I mean, it's, it's a great way to, to keep people connected. Yeah. Uh, you know, as far as far as your role, you, you're working on developing recruiting strategies for partners. You kind of said you're also, you know, kind of a, a fundamental level of salesperson. Uh, maybe you could talk about what you do for this, as far as the development part, uh, and what your strategic process is to really. You know, how do you ensure your clients are getting a good ROI for them, um, and then in the process that you're delivering? Um, well, I will say that staffing clients are definitely. Um, all very different. Even if you have one decentralized account against another, they all run very differently. Um, so the first step in working with any of my clients is getting a real understanding of how they work, how they, you know, whether they have like a hundred offices or five offices or whatever it might be on how they, you know, how they manage those offices, whether they're buying separately, whether they're buying all together. Um, and then from there, we like to establish and figure out what their goals are, whether they're looking for a specific goal cost per applicant that they're going to measure their ROI on or whether it's a goal cost per hire. Um, and then from there, we're going to decide whether they should be using our job slot product or they're going to be using our paper performance or CPC product. And in deciding that, it really depends on how many jobs they have or um, how many recruiters they have and so on and so forth. But once we decide on which product they're going to use, we're going to set up uh, weekly calls, especially when they first start, to figure out um, if we're meeting those goals and where we're at with those goals. Because depending on whether they're using our paper performance model, we then may need to make opti- op- optimizational changes um, in order to get them to where they need to be. So it's just really a focus on really understanding the client and their needs and then uh, making sure that we execute on it by having those weekly check-in calls with them. Yeah, so it sounds like you've got a pretty good process in there that's really you know customized, and as opposed to just a you know here's our solution, hope hope it works for you. Which you know for some industries and some companies it works to have one kind of a cookie cutter process that um, they can replicate over and over again. But it sounds like you're taking more of that approach of we're going to create this and customize it and figure out how it's going to work for each of your your clients. Um, you know, we work yeah. with a lot of staffing companies as well, and I was. I'm, Try not to chuckle over you because I mean, yeah, they're, they're all so different. They're all doing aroundaboutly the same thing, or you know, you could there's a little bit of differences there, but it's amazing how different they all do it and how they all function completely differently. Um, so yeah. I, I'm, I'm well aware of your challenges there. Uh, <laughs> well, it's funny that you say that because I say this to clients all the time. I say, you know, it's great that we have a lot of options, but then sometimes, you know, you have to give me as much information as possible so I can build out what option is going to be best for you. So it's a good right. thing and a bad thing, right? Because sometimes it's like you have so many options and you need to figure out what's really going to be best for that client. So, Yeah, and, you know, 
getting us oh well this is true for a lot of people but i have found it to be particularly true for staffing is it to also then get them on the phone and to stop and talk about that is, is a little bit more difficult than other industries they're going a million miles a minute and if they waste time they're losing money because they got people to place and um, jobs to fill and so some it, it is a challenge if you've got to go back and customize a, a uh, an entire solution to then also get them to sit down with you and actually give you all that information. So, uh, yeah, it, it they're, they're a fun. It's a fun industry to work with. So, <laughs> it keeps me on my toes, which is what I like. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, Constantly are there are there learning. particular challenges that you see in that industry or that vertical? I mean, they're they're always um, kind of trying to get jobs filled, um, you know, because some, a lot of times it's temporary, maybe it's light industrial, whatever it may be. Are there areas where you guys see the, the biggest challenges um, in trying to deliver solutions to them? Um, yes. I mean, you know, as like, we, as like we just said, just how they all work so differently. But then also a big challenge that we have is um, surprisingly tracking with a lot of our staffing clients is that, um, you know, they've been around for so long. They're so used to doing things one way. It's amazing how a lot of them do, uh, weren't even able to actually know, you know, where the candidate came from and uh, who they can give credit to. And in the midst of it right now, a lot of our clients are starting to move away from their homegrown systems and start using newer um, systems to actually manage these things. But it's just, like I said, the tracking and making sure that they're knowing that the results are coming from us and that they can, you know, measure it successfully is definitely a huge challenge that we have. Other than that, I'd also just say, you know, within within staffing companies, some of them are so large, you could have so many different contacts, and then trying to get them all on one page and making one decision can be a little bit challenging, as I'm sure you can relate to. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and then, yeah. And then another thing I would say too is um, is the fact that a lot of clients are, you know, I'm sure you can relate to this, but like a lot of recruiters and staffing companies are so stuck in their ways that it's hard to get them to see this how ZipRecruiter's new and trying to get them to start using it because they've been using a lot of our competitors for, you know, 20 years, 10 years, however long it is, and they're hard, they're resistant to change. It's hard to get a large company to make that change. So, but it's, it, once they start, once they try us out, they pretty much get addicted. So that's a good thing. <laughs> well, as we maybe kind of step out from staffing, um, and certainly a model there as people are, um, placing people temporarily, they may go temp to, uh, to, temp to, to perm or whatever that may be. But if we're looking at a maybe a traditional hire, um, there's really a huge amount of uh, retention is, is, is sort of happens around good culture. Um, you know, the leadership styles um, and how that culture is working will certainly have that that effect on retention. So, what do you do to maybe identify? Some of the things that you're doing, or uh, highlight some of the the, the pieces of, of leadership or your strengths as an organization, or maybe for your maybe for even more importantly, helping your clients sort of deliver that message when you're trying to find these people and, and get good placements. Um, well, I think one thing that a lot of my clients will say, and a lot of the people that I work with, um, is that I can be you know very direct in my approach of what we're doing and be very upfront about, you know, what we can do, what we can't do, what the best way to do it is. And like, when you work with me, you're not, you're going to know that I'm not hiding anything. So (laughs) um, that's definitely one thing that, um, that is a strength of at least myself. Um, And also just like being a risk taker. But were you asking more about ZipRecruiter or about me? I was just a little bit confused on that. 
Well, we could take it any direction. So I guess you know, the first part was you. Uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about ZipRecruiter, and then we'll I'll prompt you again, and we can I'll ask you how you help your clients with that. Oh, so, so for like for so for ZipRecruiter, how do you how does your company highlight then leadership strengths and other cultural strengths as you tr- bring in talent into your own organization? Um, well, I think you know, like I said, it's definitely the easy approach that you can reach out to leadership at any point, and that there it's a more like an open door policy that we have, um, and that uh, it really helps with the you know with the team and the employees and um, giving them that power to go and ask and to learn and to grow. Um, but then also, like I said, for myself, it's, you know, the being direct with my team and being direct with my clients and being, you know, straightforward with what, uh, what, what we have to offer and what we can do versus what we can't do. And is there any part of your system then that whether it's your company or your, or your clients where you're helping them through technology or through some sort of marketing mechanism to share some of that or, um, you know, does that come later? Are you guys just helping them find the people and then it's up to them to figure that out? Um, so we do have like a, um, for instance, for our paper performance, we do have like a conversion pixel that we can do. But for the most part, we rely on the client in giving us that feedback because it tracks through to their system of, uh, you know, whether they got those hires or not. Got it. Got it. Well, uh, one of our favorite uh, things to ask our, our guests, and hopefully you have a great answer, and I'll keep this question as one of our favorites, is what are you reading right now? Can you tell us about that book? Sure. Um, so it's funny that you asked because, like I said, I have a 10-month-old, so I feel like my reading time has diminished for sure. And when I get a chance, I try to do as much reading as possible. But most recently, I got to finish the book Getting More by Stuart Diamond. Have you ever read that book or heard of it? No. Please tell us more. Yeah, it's a great book, especially for anybody. Um, actually, it's a great book for anybody in their everyday life because it helps you with negotiating and just helps you understand that um, the key points are really understanding what um, what your client or what the person that you're talking to, whether, I mean, it doesn't even have to be a client. It could be, for instance, like you're arguing with the, you know, a retailer about something that you want to get more out of. So it just helps you in understanding what that person is thinking and how to keep asking the right questions to get you a little bit more than what you would have before. So I definitely recommend the book. But I also, what I like to use, um, since like I said, I don't have a lot of time for reading these days, is an app called Blinkist. Have you ever um, heard of that at all? A little bit, but yeah, go ahead and explain it for the, the listeners. Uh, sure. So basically what Blinkist does is it sums up, uh, it has a, a tons and tons of books. I'd say tens of thousands of books within the app, and you can choose any book, and it gives you a 15-minute summary, whether it be audible or you can read it, of the book and gives you the key highlights. So I definitely recommend it for anybody who has not heard of it to just do their free trial and try it out. Um, it's definitely something that I enjoy and find uh, usable, especially since, like I said, I don't get tons of time to read these days. So <laughs> so is that is that quick summary is that an audible like a you know an audio or is it um uh is it a written format as well it's in both so you have the option to do either or so what i like to do is i'll put it on the car and literally going from my office to my house i have the 15 minutes and i get a book in so there you go well, that's great. I mean, that's how I, li- I listen to all my books, and that's when I do it is when I'm in the car. So um, it's whenever people tell me, oh, I don't have time to read, I say, well, you're in the car or you're, you're commuting to work, wherever it may be, you can certainly uh, listen as well. So I'm glad you brought up that suggestion of a book. 
Um, it's one that uh, I'm sure people will enjoy checking out. Um, you know, uh, a very important question, how can people uh, learn more about you, get a hold of you, or find out more about ZipRecruiter if they're interested? Sure. Um, you definitely uh, either just email me, Angela, at ZipRecruiter.com, which is easy, or you can also find me on Twitter at amblandstack underscore zip. Well, fantastic. Angela, thank you so much for being on our show today and giving our listeners uh, some great things to think about and kind of sharing more about your company and what you're doing over there at ZipRecruiter. I uh, really appreciate it. Love to have you come back at some point and give us an update. Awesome. Thanks so much, Chris. I will take this quick commercial break and then we're going to come back with our second guest, Riva Lasonsky. Imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old. There isn't much that stays the same for six months. And the same thing goes for background checks. In a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that People G2 offers something different. At People G2, we provide today's intelligence, not yesterday's news. Our value-added approach offers you a fully FCRA-compliant solution that includes up-to-the-minute information. By combining industry-leading technology with old-school human investigation, People G2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now, delivered quickly to our online system, or integrated with your HR system. So ask yourself, are you comfortable working with old news or are you ready for a different kind of background check company? Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or PeopleG2.com. Welcome back to the Town Talk Radio Show. If you're just joining us, you missed a great interview um, with uh, Angela with a Zip Recruiter. Um, but you can listen to that uh, interview here in a week or two. We'll have it up on iTunes, or you can listen to iHeartRadio, or even go to TownTalkRadio.com. We've got all our episodes there as well. Uh, next up, I'm excited to uh, interview our next guest. She is the CEO, president, and founder of GrowBiz Media. Her name is Riva uh, Lasonsky, and I'm hopefully I'm saying it correctly because I tried so hard. Um, she's going to tell me if I'm right or not. But um, Riva, welcome to the show. Thank you, Chris. It's great to be here. And did I say your last name correctly? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, sometimes I don't even know how it's pronounced because it's been mispronounced for so long. I, I'm just fine. <laughs> I, I have the same problem that everyone screws up my last name. Yet, how, there is a street name that's a pretty popular street on a freeway near me. People always say it right when they pronounce the street. But when they somehow see it by my name, they say it every which way. And it, yeah, I've just given up as well. So you know, maybe When you grow up with a name like Riva Lasonsky, you're just used to it. <laughs> right. Well, maybe you can talk a little bit about yourself. Let us know what we should know about you and, of course, what your company, GrowBiz Media, is doing. Well, we are a content creation company. Um, we've been in business around nine and a half years, and we create content for our own website, smallbizdaily.com, other websites like allbusiness.com and smallbiztrends, um, companies. We do work for um, uh, companies like Microsoft and web.com and um, a number of other, Bank of America, Xerox, and then um, we, we work with places like SCORE and the SBDCs to just produce content, all sorts of written content, um, content today which includes social media content like tweet chats and webinars and, and just things like that. And before that, 
for about 26 years, I was um, the editorial director at Entrepreneur Magazine. So I've been in the small business, and before that, I had other various positions, editorial positions there. So I've been involved with small business and entrepreneurship for more years than I like to admit. <laughs> Just a few, right? I mean, you were... Yeah. You, yeah. <laughs> I was a child prodigy, yes. That's, there you go. Try, that's a good way to put it. You started very early. So maybe what was the, the driving force then behind you deciding to start this company? And we're going to get to some of the other things that you've been, you were doing prior to that. But what, what, what got you on that track to start this company? Well, you know, I think several factors. One was after so many years of writing about people being six, other people doing it and the, their path, their choosing to kind of take control of your life. Um, I thought it was past time. But I also, if, if people are listening, people who um, are unhappy in their jobs, people who don't respect the people they work for, I think, you know, you can either say, I'm just going to put up with it and try to put it behind me, or you can say, you know what, I'm going to I'm gonna do something. I, I deserve better. And that's kind of the position um, you know, I just didn't want to work for them anymore. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to just, I'm going to figure out the other way. And that's what I did. Well, that's great. I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful story that you were writing about it for so long and then just decided to go and, and do it yourself. Um, so, I mean, I guess after nine and a half years, you obviously created uh, uh, something that works. And uh, what would you say as an entrepreneur then has been your biggest challenge or sort of the largest thing you've had to kind of face in your as you've gone on this journey that maybe once you were able to get over that hurdle and that challenge, you felt like you were now kind of on your way to knowing what you're doing or to, now you're really growing or you, you really kind of had your mojo or whatever, however you want to phrase that. You know, is there, was there a moment there that you had to kind of overcome a, a big hurdle or a big thing? Yeah, I mean, I think there's several there's several factors, and this this factor is going to change for a lot of people. the The biggest hurdle, or the biggest thing that I had to understand, is um, just because you have a contract doesn't mean people are going to stick to it. People have good intentions going in and negotiating something, and then things happen. They just happen, and you can get all petulant about it, or you can say, okay, that happened, now what do I do? And I think that that, that's something I really had to learn about being able to, you know, if something bad happens to you in your business, I always say you can give yourself like two days to, to mourn, to cry, to do whatever it is that you choose to do that way, and then it's like, okay, now move on. Take that next step. You have to constantly push yourself forward. So I think that that was kind of a lesson. And the other lesson is um, when you deal with other companies, you get paid more slowly than you think. (laughs) It's just just a fact of life, you know. People can tell you net 60 and, yeah, like 60 months. I mean, like, what do you mean? And so I think you have to, once you realize that, you have to make you know, you have to understand that and then make contingencies to, to make sure that you can cover whatever bills you have to pay while you're waiting to get paid. You know, it, it's a wonderful point that you're bringing up, and I can remember this when I was starting my company, that for some reason, when you need the money the most, people pay you the slowest. Um, and, and as you move along and you get more successful, and, and you could probably survive if some people had to go slow on you, 
They, they don't. They seem to be paying just fine. Like, I have no problems with people paying me now. Um, but early on, man, it was like, well, can we really push this out to 90 days? I mean, you know, and you're, you're starting off, you're, you're new and you want to accommodate and you want to be a good a vendor or whatever it may be. It's, maybe they just smell the smell smell the, the newness in the air they know that they can take advantage i don't know what the, the phenomenon is but I, i've had other people tell me that same thing it's, it's kind of amazing it, how that works in the yeah, beginning and so, so, so what it leaves me with is you know is just prepare for anything you have to have backup plans contingency plans one of the things that i like to tell business owners and sometimes they look at me like you're crazy that's like expensive but Always have a, a, a computer on the shelf, one that you don't use, um, that is there in case something happens to the one you have. And, I mean, it doesn't have to be top-notch. It can be like a $400, $300 laptop. But you need something that has your programs already loaded on it, ready to go if something happens to the main computer you're using. Sure, you have backup, hopefully. You know, you're backed up in the cloud or whatever. But if you can't use that physical machine for you know, three days or, you know, something, what are you going to do? You have to have, so I just believe in having, like, contingency A, B, and C for almost everything. (laughs) And then, like, okay, I'm not going to sweat when something happens. Well, that's a great lesson, not only for computers. You could have a contingency plan on, you know, if you get that big contract, who who are the people you might already have started to talk to that you might want to bring on board um you know what what systems what are the things we, we talked about this before is uh, we call it tsunami planning right like what what happens if and do you have those yeah. things ready do you have those things already thought about and figured out if that thing happens good or bad um and and it's, it's usually the what you need in place is not a big deal you're, you're talking about a 300 dollars computer it's not going to be the one you're going to do your work on forever but you're right having that sitting there could save you a, a lot of heartache, especially when you're starting off with a new business. So it, it, that, that, oh, that's a great absolutely. point you're bringing up. Yeah, I just think plan for everything. Plan for the worst, and then if it doesn't happen, you know, celebrate. Be happy. Right, right. And then you can give that computer off to, to somebody else who needs it. Yeah. Well, you know what? I've done that a number of times. I yeah. did, you know, my one of my partner's husband's got a new job and didn't, they didn't give him a laptop, so I actually had two in backup sitting on the shelf, and I said, "Sure, take this one." Um, so, yeah, just I just think if you're if you plan, you can't be surprised. I mean, you can be, but the surprises will be minimum. And the least surprises, the more the chance that your business will be able to keep on a steady path and thrive. Absolutely. Well, maybe you could talk a little bit about uh, internally kind of how you handle things like maybe creating your team or bringing on new people. Uh, you know, what does it look like when you need to bring on somebody? Um, you know, it was a particular skill set, or was there a particular process. How are you bringing in the best people to help your company? Well, you know, for my business, uh, we're very not labor-intensive It's because we're, we're just writing. And so there's three of us. We sometimes will um, have a project that we need extra help on and we'll outsource it. You know, we, we don't have other employees um, and generally we'll turn to somebody we know. So I know their skill set and I'll say, hey, can you, you know, do this? Here's 
you know, here's the here's the budget. But for a lot, of, and for a lot of entrepreneurs, that'll work today, right? There's a, there's so many. They're talking about the gig economy and contingency workforce, and there's just a zillion marketplaces where you can go and get help for what you need. If your need is permanent, and I think you know, before you hire somebody, make sure that you have the sustained work to. Um, to justify that, because just because you're busy now, you know, you, again, as part of planning, are you going to be busy in three months? Because what's going to happen to that employee? You're now responsible for them and and for paying taxes for them and and all that other stuff. So make sure before you hire somebody that you have going forward a sustained need that that person is going to be able to fill. And then I'm a big big believer in hiring not for going to sound wrong. Don't hire for skill so much. I mean, they have to have basic skills of what you need, but I like to hire for fit. You know, when I was at the magazine, it, I think the biggest at one point my staff was, was like 37. Um, and I always, and you have to hire for fit. When you're bringing somebody into a, a company or a department, you want to make sure they fit personality-wise with everyone else, or you're going to disrupt this happy little workplace that you've already spent so much time building. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe you could talk a little bit more about fit because, you know, I, I look at fit into the values of the company and fit into the position, but I will sometimes intentionally hire someone who fits all those things but maybe won't necessarily work in perfect harmony with exactly how that team or department's working because I kind of want them to shake it up a little bit or I kind of want to, to breed, bring in new ideas or uh, ensure they're not being complacent. So how do you kind of maybe balance those two concepts and ideas there? See, I think you can do both. I think you can bring in someone who has different ideas as long as they are um, – or you have the indication that they're that they're collaborative, right? So you can bring in somebody who's who has ideas, different ideas, maybe ready to shake it up, and they're not a collaborative type person. They're a, domina- a domineering type person. Well, they're going to come in, and you're not going to get any ideas from the rest of your people because they're either going to be mad or intimidated or looking for another job. And this is a it's very hard for small businesses in particular when the uh, unemployment rate is so low to get qualified skilled employees it, because there's a lot of jobs at big companies where they're making more money and getting better benefits packages. So they're looking for um, an environment where they feel comfortable, where they feel honored and they feel valued. So you can bring in somebody with those new ideas, who's a collaborative person and then and wants to bring everybody with them, make, you know, works with people, not, not sort of plodding behind their back. And I think that that's what you have to detect. That's, you know, it's in the job interview, in, in the reference checks that you do, You that to me is the most important thing. It's does this person play well with others? Because they can have great ideas and if they don't play well with others, they're going to be the only person left to implement those ideas, and then what are you going to do? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so I think you're, I like what you're, what you're kind of saying. Can they be collaborative? Can they get along with everybody? But it's still looking for people who have different ideas or maybe come from different perspectives or have different experiences. And we can still allow our teams to grow and to get better by having new ideas in there. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things um, I'm jealous about, I see that, you know, you've written several books, and I and the reason I say that is I, I'm just finishing writing my first book. Um, I have almost uh, quit, um, run away, hidden under a bridge, um, and done everything I could to possibly stop, because it's one of the hardest things I've ever done, because it, it just... In, in trying to do it at the same time with work and everything else that I'm doing, I didn't really, you know, remove anything from my schedule. I just added on top by trying to write a book. So um, I'm fascinated to know about your books and your process and, and maybe if you have any plans on writing another one. Well, actually, I'm in the middle of um, – I'm I'm working with um, a friend of mine. We're, we're co-writing the book. The book's actually already – we just finished writing it. I'm in the middle of editing it. Um it's a hundred biz hacks, you know, small business shortcuts um, that that people can take. And I agree with you; the process can be onerous, particularly when you still have another job to do and you have a <laughs> life to live. Um, I'm I'm very lucky in that I don't require a lot of sleep. Um, when I was a kid, I used to ask my grandfather. He would tell me, oh, I got up at 5 a.m. And I'd say, why did you get up so early? He's, and he'd say, I just woke up. The older you get, the less sleep you need. And I just laughed at him then, but I, I must take after him. So I, I can get by. I like four or five hours of sleep a night for like three or four nights in a row, and then I'll try to do a, a catch-up of seven hours or so. That helps. Um, it, it just it helps that my mom, I'm not a very organized person, so everybody has a different writing process. Some people are very organized. I'm not. I'm much more free-flowing, but um, I, I keep my organization on sticky notes, so that's my process. I just have tons of sticky notes all over the place and say, oh, like, here's this thing and here's this one. And I think once you... If you know your subject matter well and you have your table of contents, I kind of just let it let it flow. But it's not easy. It's it's people who think, oh, it's just so easy. It's 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 really not. Well, your sticky note process is really reminiscent of Agile or Scrum and some of the best. You know, software and products and things are being developed today using sticky notes. So I think you're on the right track. Um, I, I have done some of that with sticky notes. I, I put up a whiteboard in my office to kind of keep me on track with what what are the couple of things I need to do right now for the current chapter I'm on or whatever it may be. But yeah, there have you know holiday. I sort of left weekends. It was my big time to get most of the writing done. I do you know research and work during the week, but the weekends are going to write, and then you forget how much life comes back into on the weekends with, oh, it's Mother's right. Day, oh, it's how Father's fun. Day, or it's a barbecue, or this right. friend's birthday. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And I think that's really important, um, whether you're writing a book, whatever it is, you know, that you're something, when you start a business, you tend to be very passionate about it, is you have to make sure that you do not ignore your life while you do it because then you know when you're done when when you're past the startup stage and you're ready to relax if you've alienated everybody you know well great you're going to relax all by yourself so it's it's a matter of um making sure that 
no matter how hard it is, you still take time to be with your family, with your friends, and you need it yourself. You need to give yourself that that break to rejuvenate your brain, to just, you know, veg out and watch a movie or something, to just, um, like, clear your mind so you can get back to it with a, with a fresher perspective. Absolutely. As long as you are... Not too, not too close to that deadline, which I am yes. <laughs> coming up. So, yes. <laughs> no, now you have to crack the whip. You can't. Miss that's the right. That's right. I'm just going to tell. I'm going to tell my publisher. She said I should just watch a movie. I should, you know. <laughs> yeah. Here, here's. I once read. I was doing um, a presentation on productivity, and I found this Japanese study that said if you take a break and watch cute kittens online for like three minutes it does something in your brain that you can go back to work and you're some x percentage more um productive after that it doesn't you know i don't really care about cute kittens but which sounds horrible but i don't um but so maybe you know it's just like a four maybe sometimes it's just a four minute break right right and you just need those few minutes to uh to re- maybe it's just to clear your mind. Maybe it's the thing of laughing or feeling some sort of positive energy that lets you go back and, and feel rejuvenated. So, yeah, uh, yeah it's something. Uh, maybe not kittens. I'm with you there. But whoever, whatever whatever you want to watch, I guess, on, on TV <laughs> exactly. uh, or on YouTube. So maybe you could talk a little bit about, because you, you've, you've had so much uh, experience with writing and covering entrepreneurs, you've done it yourself, you've written books about it. I mean, what is an entrepreneur, um, or maybe how does an entrepreneur go about creating a winning and an effective culture in their company? Are there maybe some, some particular things you see that the ones that are doing it right or are being successful kind of tackle or they go after early on um, to, to start doing it right? Yeah, I, again, I think you as the entrepreneur have to go in with a collaborative mindset. You don't go in with, I'm the boss, you know, like I'm, I'm the mother, you're the kid, that's why, or I'm the father, you're the kid, that's why. You hire people who are strong where you're weak. You don't hire people who are going to say yes to you all the time because you want to build a perfectly balanced team. And just treat, you know, give Give your people a treat every now and then. I mean, part of that treat might be um, bringing in lunch once a month, or part of it might be letting them off at 3 o'clock every other Friday in the summer, or part of it might be, hey, you know, here's a $25 gift certificate to a local restaurant, or here's two movie tickets, or, or it's just about showing that employee that you value what they do for your company. And I think if you do that, you tend to have people who will work harder for you because who doesn't want to work harder for someone who they know respects and values them? And I think that's really, that's a big advantage for small business owners because you can get to know your people and know what their triggers are. Handing somebody two movie tickets who never goes to the movie isn't going to work, right? So it's about really knowing what each individual um of your employees doing what they do. My very first job was in a huge book publishing company. Um, and the owner, I mean, it was Doubleday Books, and the owner at the time, the guy who operated, was Nelson Doubleday, right? The great-grandson of the guy who founded the company. I never 
met the guy, you know, as some lowly research assistant, but he worked with my boss. And my boss must have mentioned at some point that I was a big New York Yankees fan. And then all of a sudden, I would start getting, my boss would call me into his office and he goes, here, and he'd hand me two tickets for the Yankee game. Or he'd hand me two tickets for a Ranger game, a New York Ranger game. Um, and that you know, I was making no money. I think I was making $6,000 a year. That was like, even though the, the guy never said hello to me or anything, I felt like I was doing, like what I was doing was being valued. If not by him, by my boss, who actually must have said something to the guy, because otherwise, how would he know? I mean, why is it giving somebody making six grand a year, like, Yankee tickets? I got to go to the Yankee game where Chris Chambliss hit that home run. That was amazing. I still remember that, you know, like 40 years later. So um, I think it's those little things where you say to an employee, you count, and that will serve you well. Well, it's a great story, and I love hearing how uh, somebody, when we someone has started off early on, made a big impression on them. Um, and it's a good reminder to all of us to try to go back and do those things for our employees and for the people important in our lives, because uh, it makes a big difference. And I mean, here you are—you said forty years later talking about it. Um, so yeah. it had made a big impression on you. Um, how can pe- how can people get a hold of you if they're interested in learning more? If they want to work with Grow Biz Media, what's the best way for them uh, to go about doing that? You can email me at Reva, that's R-I-E-V-A, at smallbizdaily.com, or you can find me on Twitter at Reva, R-I-E-V-A, and I try to respond to everything within a day. I don't always um, make that, but, you know, generally, if it's, if it's a relevant pitch or if you're saying something or if you tell me, you know, you heard me on on this radio show, I will be sure to, to respond to you because um, <laughs> I think that's important too. You have to be respectful. Well, and we know you're going to get back quickly because even if your computer goes down, you're going to have an extra one on the shelf that you can pull down and, and keep exactly. working. So, oh, Yes. <laughs> I have well, one right now waiting. <laughs> Well, Reva, thank you so much for joining me today and giving us uh, some really cool insights and stories. I'd love to have you come back at some point and give us an update. Oh, I would love to. Thank you for having me. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening today. Hopefully you enjoyed the show and that you learned something that you can apply and use in your own career today. Uh, Next week, my guest will be Joe uh, uh, Cabral, the CHRO uh, for Partners Healthcare, and then we'll have uh, Tania Davis, Chief People Officer for iManage. So, Until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio, brought to you by People G2.